Everybody loves a good story. Witness the millions of books about things true and things fictitious. Today, the topic is stories with hidden, mysterious meanings. Would you please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, please. I'm so glad to welcome every person here today to the Community Adventist Church at 100 West Duarte Road, Arcadia in the state of California. I want to welcome all those watching the telecast today around the world, including my countrymen back in the land down under. Matthew chapter 13, stories with hidden mysterious meanings. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Jesus was having church at the seaside. Matthew Henry, the great, perhaps the greatest of all commentators, said, where the king is, there is the court, and where the Christ is, there is the church. And so the church is not this beautiful building with the stained glass windows and the pipe organ, where the king is, there is the court. Where the Christ is, there is the church. And if Christ is not with the people, then it is no longer the church. You say, I've been to church today. It is only the church where the king is and where the Christ is. And notice his pulpit. His pulpit was a ship. Sometimes, in various circumstances, we feel melancholy because we don't have a beautiful and a fine building. On this occasion, his pulpit was a ship. And I want you to notice this, that his presence dignifies and consecrates any place. It doesn't matter where we worship if Christ is there. Because where Christ is, there is the church. Would you please notice Matthew 13 and verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, stories, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And I want you to notice at this stage today what he preached, this Jesus. He did not preach trifles, but things of eternal significance. And as I pondered through these verses this week, I saw my own spiritual need. Whenever he preached, he did not speak 
politics. You know, the church is not the place for politics. We don't come to church to solicit business, do we? We don't come to church to talk about the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or some other party. We come to church to consider the kingdom of God and how we can be saved. Amen. His subject was not trifles. His subject was of eternal consequences. And if you will read on with me now, verses uh, three and onwards, then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears let him hear. And then if you'll notice verses, please read on with me and come to verse 18 and onwards. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. I want you to notice Please, the four types of soil. The first type of soil is, as Matthew Henry calls it, highway ground. It is seed that is thrown out on the five freeway, or the 101, or the 134, or the 118, or the 23 that I have traveled today, or the 210. It is highway soil. It is so hard that the seed doesn't have a chance. Then there is the second type of soil, the 
Jesus says, is stony and shallow. The first people, highway soil people, are people whose hearts are like rocks. And there is no hope for them at all until the Lord, by his grace and his divine providence, is allowed uh, to make great furrows in the ground and to open up the soil. It needs plowing. But until the highway is plowed, the soil doesn't have a chance. Then there is the person, the Bible says, he is shallow. And he receives the word of God with joy. He is the person who is the first to shout hallelujah and to raise his hands and to clap and to shout with joy. He's the first. But he is shallow. When the sun gets up, and it usually gets up before he does, hence he's always late for church. And when the sun gets up, the little plants that have been trying to grow in this shallow soil quickly wither away. Do we see ourselves in any of these stories? Pray tell me. Then the third category is the person who has good soil, great potential, but thorny. And the Bible says the thorns represent the cares of this life. And uh, the love of money. This person can't even come to church without wanting to do business. And talk business in the foyer of the church. And the Bible talks about the cares of this life. This person is so caught up in making a living that he's got no time for making a dying. The soil is good, but the good seed has got too much competition. Sabbath sport. Television programs. Feasting and eating. The soil is good, but the competition is stronger. So what happens with this individual is that while he is a good person, if you were to say to him, how much television have you looked at this week? And he will tell you quite proudly and gladly. He will say, oh, well, I don't watch much television. How many hours a day? Well, not much, three hours. How many days a week do you watch it like that? Oh, at least seven, so 20 hours. And how much reading of the Bible have you had? Well, I'm so tired and I have no time. And besides, I cannot understand it. So this is the person whose life is filled with thorns. And the spirituality is choked in that person. 
And then fourthly, the group to whom we should all wish to belong is the good ground. And that person brings forth 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. What is this fruit? I wonder, what is this fruit? This fruit would be the Christian graces, but it would also be the souls that we have saved for the kingdom. And so I say to each of you who are watching, each who is a professing child of God, how many souls in your lifetime have you actually brought to Christ? You say, I have brought none. Well, maybe you're number two or number three, but how can you be number four if your life has not counted for God? A person may be an ordained pastor, but we say to him, God says, where is the fruitage of your life? And he says, well, uh, I am a busy administrator. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. That doesn't count. It is the fruitage of the life. Every soul is called to be a missionary for God. But people say, but this is not what the organized church is all about. Well, then maybe the organized church, if it believes that, has lost its way. We are talking of the kingdom of God. I want to read you a great statement here from the Prince of Commentators. Listen. The saddest condition a man can be in on this side of hell is to sit under the most lively ordinances with a dead, stupid, untouched heart to hear God's word and see his providences and yet not to understand and perceive his will is the greatest sin and the greatest judgment that can be. To sit week after week with a dull, stupid heart that does not perceive. I believe However, that soil can be changed. Oh, am I glad? Highway soil can be plowed. Rocky soil can have the rocks taken out. Soil full of weeds can have the weeds dug out. Soil can be changed only by the grace of God. So here are the four hearers and I ask you as your pastor and as your spiritual guide, what category are you in? What category am I in? Would you notice now, dearly beloved, verses 10 to 15. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. See, not everybody understands the truth of the Bible. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have in abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. That is why I speak to them in parables. 
Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So they see Christ's person but not his glory. When the heart, listen to this, when the heart is heavy and fat then the ears are dull of hearing. God bestows his gifts on those who improve them, but takes them away from those who bury them. The Bible talks about resisting the spirit. That is why I say to you, it is possible for God to save all people, even religious people. And when I say even religious people, I mean they are the hardest to save. Because Jesus here is talking about the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God, which is the church. Now, it is a fact, an ecclesiastical, historical fact, that often church leaders are the most degenerate. And let me tell you why. Because degenerate, proud people seek spiritual positions. And that is why when we have a time when we select officers in the church, often we have the most unworthy who get into positions of power because they are such politicians. They think that the church is a place for the display of power and lording it over the flock. Now in the days of Jesus, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, hated Christ because he challenged their power base. They became filled with resentment. Judas, who was not a Pharisee, was filled with grudges. My friend, it is dangerous to hate. It is dangerous to hold on to anger. It is dangerous to hold on to grudges. Because by so doing, we harden our hearts. So, is it not an amazing thing that religious people, and he's talking to religious people, are seeing never seeing and they're hearing but never hearing as a dear friend of mine told me many many years ago when I was running a great campaign in the beautiful city of Melbourne in Australia not Melbourne Melbourne he said to me John the gospel is re revealed by God supernaturally It is revealed by God supernaturally. You see, you can be the general conference president. You can be the pastor of this church. You can be the president of the United States who professes to be a child of God. You can be the head elder of my church. You can be me. You can have any spiritual privilege and possession, but not have received a revelation from the throne of God. 
hopefully those individuals have. So Jesus here describes not trivialities, but he's talking about the things of the greatest importance. Would you please notice now, I think verses 24 and onwards, my dear friends, 24 and onwards. Yes, this will do just nicely. Jesus told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, does that sound familiar? While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The story is simplistic. The man who is the son of God goes forth and sows his seed. He is the same person who was sowing the seed in the parable of the four types of soil. This is the same person. But while he is sowing the seed, the enemy, the devil, gets to work. And notice verse 37. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Listen carefully. This is a great truth that is seldom perceived. The visible church is the kingdom of heaven. Now I meet so many people who are so independently minded and so theologically incorrect that they disdain the church. They say, we do not need the church. They need the church desperately because the church is for sinners, all types of sinners. And we should not disdain the church and speak poorly of the church. This church is a part of the body of Christ, purchased with the blood of Christ. If you are asked to serve in the church, it is the greatest honor that can be bestowed upon you. The visible church is the kingdom of heaven. Though there be many hypocrites in it, Christ rules in it as a king, and there is a remnant in it that are the subjects and heirs 
of the kingdom. And so what Jesus is telling us here, that we should not be surprised to find in the church lots and lots of hypocrites. Lots of hypocrites among church leaders. Perhaps that's where we should look for them. Or perhaps we shouldn't look at all. But as I mentioned before, the proud heart seeks to hold position. Let me remind you of this. He who is ambitious for spiritual power reminds us of him who, who said, I will sit, sit above the stars. I will be like the Most High. The problem with this philosophy the philosophy of those who will connive and politic and manipulate to get certain high position as they perceive it in the church is that they want the power but not the character of God. And the character of God is seen in Christ where he humbled himself and became nothing and died on the cross. Amen. That is the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Antichrist. But in the church, the true church, the Bible says there are frauds and liars and cheats and hypocrites. And it is not the work of the church to toss them out. Though sometimes we wish we could. But in tossing them out, we may toss ourselves out. Jesus said, let both grow together till the harvest, and then there is going to be the time of separation. And Jesus teaches here that judgment occurs. Listen to this, my Protestant friends. Judgment occurs not at death, but at the second coming. Because when a person dies, he sleeps in the grave until the resurrection. The idea of the immortality of the soul is a Greek idea. It came from Socrates. It is not taught in the New Testament. Hence the writing by the great theologian, the immortality of the soul or the resurrection of the dead. Take one or the other. You can't have both. So the Bible teaches that judgment takes place at the second coming. The Bible teaches, my beloved friends, that judgment takes place. All of us must stand in the judgment. Every one of us, whether we be saved or lost, all must stand before the judgment bar of Christ to receive the things done in the body. Every one of us. And in that day, God is not going to say to us, what position did you hold in my church? What church did you go to? What congregation did you belong to? Listen carefully. The Bible says the weeds should be allowed to grow together with the wheat. Because if you try to get rid of the weeds out of the church, when you pluck up the weed, because you may have a saint who is immature and naive, you may pluck him up also. Somebody said to me this week, there's, talking about my own church, there is somebody in our church who is a dreadful hypocrite who professes to be with us but is working against us. I'm going to go and tell that person 
find another church. The church, that person belongs in this church because God can change weeds into wheat. <laughs> Isn't that good? Oh, it's hard with some old weeds. Can you say glory, my brother? Glory. Yes, yes. <laughs> Listen, I have seen weeds with thorns become... Mm. <laughs> Roses. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Even some have become daisies. Mm. God is in the business of turning weeds into wheat. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us here that they're going to be done up in bundles thrown in the fire oh people say we don't believe in hell oh I do the Bible teaches it don't belong don't believe in an eternally burning hell that never goes out but I believe in a red hot hell and it has been said by my favorite commentator again the great Matthew Henry whom I appreciate and love if you haven't read his commentaries, you haven't read a commentary. He said, in that day, there'll be a great bundle of sinners. There'll be a bundle of atheists. They'll be bundled, the atheists. There will be a bundle of liars. All the liars go together. There'll be a bundle, said Matthew Henry, of epicures. Oh, you say, what on earth is that? An epicure is a glutton. An epicure is a person who loves food. Boy, that's going to be a bundle. <laughs> and that bundle's going to burn well because it's got so much fat in it. <laughs> a great bundle of sinners. And both are grown, going to grow together until the harvest. Remember this. The mills of God grind slowly. Can you finish it? But they grind exceeding small. But let not us try to throw out the weeds. Because God may even turn some of those weeds into wheat. Glory be to God. Mm -hmm. Can I have another glory there, brother? Yes, thank you. Now, please look at verse 31. My dear friends, 31. He told them another parable. Are these not great stories? Here is the greatest storyteller in the history of the world talking. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. This is only a little parable, but it's a great story. The mustard seed 
the weakest thing in all the world. Listen to me. God is in the business of showing his glory through weakness. The weakest thing in all the world. And the little old mustard seed by the grace of God grows and grows and grows and becomes a great tree and the birds come and sit in the branches. The kingdom of God does not advance through strength and power. We do not shed abroad the grace of Christ with guns and tanks and armies. It is done by the least of these, the weakest, but those who hold on to God because he is the greatest. Now somebody sitting here today says, I could never do anything for God. I am such a poor person. I am so uneducated. I do not have ready utterance. Listen, my friend, I have become a poor preacher. But when I was seven or eight years of age, I could not even speak. I could not put two words together. They sent me to an institution in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, an institution for what was then called the deaf and dumb. Because they said, he can't speak. When the doctors examined me, they said, the naughty boy has a lazy tongue. Smack him more diligently on his tail. But God can take a mustard seed and make a mustard seed into a tree. Now some of you may consider yourselves to be mustard seeds because you are. Some of you are. But God can wonderfully, wonderfully change. As God can turn a weed into wheat so he can make a mustard seed. A great tree. And God does this because it is glory. It is his glory to use weak things. That's why he's using me here today. First, don't say amen to that, thank you. What do you mean saying amen to that? It is true, he's using somebody very weak here today and lips of clay. Verse 33, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And with this yeast or leaven, as it says in the King James Version, you can't see and you can't hear it. It goes to work silently. But this yeast works all the way through the dough until all the dough is permeated with the yeast. Do you know what the yeast is? The truth of the Bible. The truth of Jesus Christ our Lord the truth of the gospel, that he came down from heaven and he died for our sins. And not only that, but he can change people's lives. If a person professes to believe the gospel, look at his life and see what he is like. If he is a liar and a cheat, then don't listen to him because he's a fraud. But you know, 
I have made a little bread in my lifetime, only a little. When I went through college, I was the foreman of the cafeteria. I was in charge of about 60 girls. Imagine that in those days. Who would have thought it? One who could not speak just a little while before. And it was my job with Miss Vetter to knead the dough. The dough has to be kneaded before the yeast can do its work. Is that true, Mrs. Burgos? Because mm -hmm. she's a great cook. Listen to me. The heart has to be kneaded. It's got to be broken. It's got to be worked by God. How can God need your heart? How can he work your heart when you don't go to church? You don't study the Bible. And you sit for hours wasting time on the internet. What a waste of time that is. We have today people who spend in a year thousands of hours in rooms. You know these talk rooms talking nothing. Things that should be left to those who've got nothing better to do. Jesus said it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. God works the heart through scripture and through prayer by going to church. Now, my friend, we come to a tiny parable. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Ah, he was a wise man, wasn't he? And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Listen. You and I sometimes think that this great work that we do Sometimes in moments of unbelief and foolishness, we think, well, it's not that important. I hear of people who want to run for political office. Goodness, can I tell you something? A preacher armed with scripture, filled with the Holy Spirit, will do more good in the world than all the armies in the world. All the politicians, all the presidents, all the kings and all the queens and all the prime ministers. That is why the kingdom of God is infinitely above politics. Have you noticed how quickly people become disillusioned with political leaders? 90% rating, 50% rating, 30% rating. Those things are not worth a lot. I heard of a man who said to me, he invited me along to uh, come along and have a, a dinner with a potential governor of this great state of California. And he said, I'm going to get, can't be involved too much in church anymore. I want to get into politics. Goodness. That's like a man who says, I want to leave this beautiful mansion and I want to go down and get in the bog. Listen. The treasure hidden in the field, you know what it represents? Jesus. 
Jesus is the traitor. Jesus Christ, he's the Messiah. When you find Jesus, truly find him, you'll sell everything you have to get him. How much does it cost to become a true believer? Nothing. How much does it cost to become a true believer? Everything. Jesus said, unless you give up all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. Oh, and the Bible says from that time, many turned their backs on him, never saw him again. The treasure hid in the field. He is the treasure. Verse 45, another parable, little parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is, in the words of the King James Version that we call the authorized, even though it was never authorized by the king, in the King James Version it says he found the pearl, do you know the words? Of great price. When you find Jesus, you have found everything. Christianity is not primarily about a set of doctrines and ideas that we argue about. That is not the truth. Christianity is Christ. They asked HMS Richards, the greatest leader in the history of the church in North America for at least the last 50, 60 years, they asked the grand old preacher, what is the heart of your church? And he said one word, Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the pearl of great price. You can understand when, when Paul, the Pharisee, found him, how glad he was. What a blessing. One parable now, verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. Isn't it the truth? When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. Listen carefully. The letting down of the net is the preaching of the gospel. The fish that are caught in the net are the people who join the church. And there's all sorts. There's salmon, there's brim, and there's John Dory, and there's mackerel, and there's flatheads, and there's some eels, and uh, all sorts of things like prawns, all sorts of things. In the visible church, there is a deal of trash and rubbish, dirt and weeds and vermin, as well as the fish. 
And one day, it will be revealed. What is the greatest proof of Christ, as far as I'm concerned? His insight into human nature and his ability to change us. Who spoke as this man spoke? This is the ultimate proof that he is the Messiah. And this text teaches that ultimately there is a judgment day. Now listen, listen, listen. I read again from Matthew Henry. The saddest condition a man can be in on this side of hell is to sit under the most lively ordinances. That means preaching. This was written about 300 years ago. Is to sit under the most lively ordinances with a dead, stupid, untouched heart. To hear God's word and see his providences and yet not to understand and perceive his will is the greatest sin, the greatest judgment that can be. So what must I do? The hard soil must be broken up by the plow of God. When I was first out of college, Avondale College, they sent me into the outback, the outer Baku, to a place called Broken Hill. That's where Beverly and I went, out into the outback, into the real desert, sand hills and everything. Old man came to our meetings by the name of Mr. Reg Pride. Remember him, Beverly? Mr. Pride. Pride by name and proud by nature. He said, I never will, I never will, I never will. His wife said to me, we don't care what religion he becomes as long as he stops fighting me. <laughs> Mr. Reg Pride. He read the scriptures and the hard soil of the heart. The 101 freeway was broken up. The old man died listening to a record playing on a hill far away, marvelously changed. The soil must be watered and cultivated. The reason some of us have stopped growing in grace and are turning from wheat into weeds is because we've stopped the cultivation. cultivation. But the good news is that God can reverse the process and weeds can become wheat. Bad fish can become good fish. The yeast can permeate all the way through the dough if we are prepared to buy the treasure and to buy the pearl of great price. All things are possible to him who is willing to be willing. Someone says, but I don't want to give this up. Well, pray that God will change your heart so you want to give it up. I read some time back a book that touched me like very few books. It's the story of a criminal. It is a French story. A terrible man. His name was John. John. 
He's allowed out of prison. He can't find a place to stay because he is a criminal. Late at night, he finds his way to the home of a priest. And the priest shows him grace and says, come in, my son. He gives him a fine meal and a wonderful bed. And John wakes up and says, I will take the silver, the silver candlesticks, and I'll be on my way. And so he takes it all and he steals out of the house only to be met down the road by a gendarme. He's brought back to the priest, and the priest says, oh, I gave it to him. And he says to Jean, it is yours, my son, and wherever you go, let the candlesticks remind you that I forgave you, and God forgives you. And the story, Les Miserables, tells how Jean Valjean was transformed into the most generous, the kindest, the most loving, Les Miserables. Made a movie, made a great play. Jean Valjean, a criminal. A weed was turned into wheat. The rocky, hard, stubborn soil was broken up. The dough was needed so the yeast could work. And he bore much fruit. His story, which has been told around the world, is the story of God's amazing grace. It is a secret process in the heart of man. He shows mercy to his enemies. The bitterness goes out of his soul. He dies a saint. Les Miserables. Jean Valjean. And of course, that's the business that God is in.